It's April 15, 2020, and welcome to another edition of Bite Marks Cafe, where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, and innovation. Of course, this is the new reality edition, and I'm Bert Lum. First up, we're going to have uh, Daniel Liu from Google, who's going to join us to tell us about the upcoming Hack 2020 Google Analytics Workshop. And then we'll be joined by Cecilia Chung and Shane Asselstein from the Hawaii Society for Technology and Education to talk about the um, virtual office hours that they have supporting teachers during this uh, period of shelter-in-place. I want to start off by letting you know that Blue Startups Cohort 12, the application deadline has been extended. They wrote to me and said that uh, in light of the COVID-19 crisis, we have decided to extend our application deadline for Cohort 12 until April 30th. The new start date for the program will be determined as well. So stay tuned for more updates. And of course, if you want to get more information about the Blue Startups uh, Accelerator program and when uh, when to, um, well, you can actually apply now, but uh, the deadline is the 30th, you can go to bluestartups.com. With that, I'd like to welcome Daniel Liu from uh, Google. He's the, the um, uh, public sector support person there and has been to Hawaii many times. And, of course, uh, he joins us to tell us about the upcoming Hack 2020 workshop on data visualization and Google Analytics. Welcome to the show, Daniel. Thank you, Bert. Now, tell me, Daniel, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I've been involved with uh, the, the Code Challenge, the Hawaii Annual Code Challenge, since it started back in 2016. But, you know, we're always, uh, we're always um, uh, wanting to get Google involved. How did, how did Google finally get involved with the hack? Well, um, actually, you know, personally, I've been working with the state, you know, for over a decade and providing oh. a technology support. So even though I'm living in Southern California, um, because of my job, as you mentioned earlier, I've been making many trips to Hawaii, spend a considerable amount of time in Hawaii. So I consider Hawaii is my like second home. So I really, you know, want to be involved. Just Good. on my personal notes, and also um, my colleague Amanda Sange and I, we actually have participated the first hackathon, I believe, back in 2017. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think it was a really rewarding experience for us. You know, it really makes us feel like. Um, we are just part of this local technology community that can help us to, you know, make the state continue to innovate. Now, now, just to be just to be clear, when when you folks were involved in 2017, that was with Oracle, right? Uh, that's right. Yes. That okay. Was with Oracle, yes. So there is some familiarity with the code challenge with uh, uh, through your involvement uh, with Oracle, and then uh, now with Google. So I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that uh, Google's involved now with this. Um, workshop that's coming up, Google Analytics and Data Visualization. Uh, give us a little sense of what you will cover in that workshop. And you're going to be the instructor, right? Yeah, I will be the instructor uh, for next week's workshop. And there are, you know, the title is called Google Analytics and Data Visualization. Um, the workshop, I think I'm going to really provide a overview of Google's big data analytics solution, uh, which including you know, many technology I'll just mention a few here, uh, BigQuery, Dataflow, DataPark, data visualization, data prep. So I'm also going to talk about some of the tools that we're using to help do data visualization. That's great. So what would, uh, what would 
a person who would be interested in attending, what would they need to have uh, as a sort of prerequisite? Yeah, that's a really good question. I would say um, I would encourage everyone who is interested in technology, you know, who's thinking about how can I take advantage of today's technology to help the state to solve real problems, right? So basically anyone, a student, amateur, IT professionals, are welcome to this workshop. And and I guess you know, uh, not knowing what the what the specific challenge might be, uh, how would how would someone take what they learn from the workshop and actually apply it? What would be the sort of the ideal situation? Would it be a, a data set that would be, you know, better visualized, better you know, um, let's say a, a story be told about it? I mean, what what would the tools that you share? What would they be now enabled to do? Yes, so, you know, teaching this workshop, you know, people thinking about I'm coming to this workshop and I'm learning some technologies, but I think it's not really about learning this technology, right? It's really about how to learn the technology you just learn, be able to solve real-world problems. So I think, you know, in today's environment, especially, you know, with uh, I think this uh, coronavirus crisis we have facing today, um, I think the government is really facing a big challenge, I would say, which is the, the data challenge, right? So how do you collect different data sets? Sometimes it can be all silo, and a lot of government decisions or policies has to be made based on those data sets. But they need those data sets not just in two weeks. They want to have this tomorrow, right? So I think the idea is really to learn this technology, but also thinking about how can I combine those data sets and make meaning out of it and be able to help everyone to make decisions. You know, it sounds to me like, uh, you know, even if they didn't participate in the code challenge, this would be valuable information just to perhaps better enhance their, uh, you know, work skill sets. Yeah, absolutely. I think you don't have to be an you know, uh, IT professional or coders to get really deep dive into it, right? So if you are really good at doing code, that's great. But also just for you know, regular folks just want to understand technology and see how technology can relate to their personal life, right, to help to solve day-to-day problems too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, now, typically the uh, code challenge is open to both uh, professionals as well as students, would uh, would you encourage uh, high school students to participate as well? Absolutely. Actually, I have a daughter uh, who is in high school too, so I really you know them to learn technology. I think sometimes today, you know, even kids in junior high, they a lot more technology than adults. So I will definitely encourage high school uh, kids not just and to get involved and learn technology, be able to actually make something wonderful out of the technology. That's great. So uh, in, in terms of uh, the actual delivery of the workshop, are you going to be uh, doing it via what platform are you going to be using? Uh, probably going to be using uh, Google's platform, uh, platform we call GCP. But you know, the workshop is about two hours uh, next Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, my intention is to maybe uh, spend uh, maybe about an hour talking about the technology and you know, the overview and then 
I will do some demo and use some use cases so it can really invoke some creative thinking. And uh, towards the end of the workshop, I'm trying to maybe uh, after the workshop to create some environment so you know students or people that are interested in the technology can actually play with those tools and be able to make something out of it. Great. So where can people sign up for, for this uh, Google workshop? Yeah, so they can go to uh, hacc.hawaii.gov, and uh, on that webpage, uh, there's a link to sign for this workshop. Um, I think the space is limited, so I will encourage everyone to uh, sign up as soon as possible, and uh, I'm really looking forward to see everyone next week. Sounds good. Very good. So that's going to be next week, the 24th, correct? Yes, it's next Friday, April 24th. Uh, from 1 to 3 o'clock. Okay, sounds good. Thanks, Daniel, for joining us. Well, thanks for having me here. And, of course, right now we'll take a short break, and when we return, we'll be joined by Cecilia Chung and Shane Asselstein, and we'll talk by phone about distance learning and creating virtual office hours. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors, locations, Haleakala Waldorf School and Honolulu Waldorf School. Welcome back to Bite Marks Cafe. Now I'd like to welcome Cecilia Chung and Shane Asselstein. Cecilia, or CC as she's fondly known, is a sixth grade teacher over at Kaimiloa Elementary School in Eva Beach, and she's also the 2020 Hawaii State Teacher of the Year. And of course, Shane, who in my mind is uh, always the Teacher of the Year, uh, is highly regarded and is the Pearl City Waipahu Complex Area Computer Science and Math Teacher. Welcome to Bite Marks Cafe. Thank you for having us. Now, you know, both of you are uh, teachers, obviously, but you're also involved with uh, this organization called the uh, Hawaii Society for Technology and Education. And I'd like to maybe start off with uh, maybe Shane telling me uh, and our listeners a little bit about what is HSTE all about? Shane. Hi. (laughs) <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> okay, you're on, Shane. All right. So, um, <laughs> so, sorry, I just got disconnected and reconnected. But um, I just wanted to share, I guess, that, uh, you know, HSP is about leveraging that technology and education to accelerate our more innovative, resilient, and sustainable Hawaii. We work with teachers to use technology in a classroom to enhance learning and best practices. So, so tell me, um, how long has HSTE been around, and and what was? I know there's there's a variety of different uh, uh, you know teacher organizations, uh, things like you know the CS, CSTA, which is the uh, Computer Science Teachers Association. What 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 was the genesis of HSTE? So HSTE was. Uh... Was, has been around for quite a while, but in uh, 2011, it officially became an affiliate of ISTE, the International Society for Technology and Education. Um, and then in 2014, it changed its name, which was originally TechCore Hawaii, uh, to Hawaii Society for Technology and Education. Uh, it's a nonprofit 
and again, our focus is on, on educating teachers. The Genesis is uh, it's a group of people that were brought together, volunteers from private, charter, and public schools. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and how many how many members are there? Uh, you know, in the organization now. That's a good question. Cece's the uh, membership chair. So. <laughs> well, Cece's been she's the incoming president. I know. I know Shane. You're the oh, president. Yeah. Cece's the incoming president. She's been the incoming president for like the last two years. Yeah. yeah. I know. I'm trying to she work hard at it. Trying to practice. <laughs> get ready to, to get into that role. Um, yeah, we have a lot of members. Over 600 members. Wow. Um, we have also uh, executive board members and regular members. And on our regular board, we have 16 uh, teachers. And they could be teachers, administrators, anyone who's really interested in contributing to our vision and mission, exactly what Shane was talking about. So, so is it, is it, uh, you don't, didn't sound like you have any problem just getting people to, to join and, and get involved. No, yeah, actually, think, we've, we've been really oh, lucky with that. So, um, mm-hmm. we, we do hold elections every year if there's too many because we do have a, a board of 16, and sometimes mm-hmm. we will have several people applying for the few spots that are open each year. Oh, that's great. Now, you know, when when um, <clears throat> I've seen you at, at some trade shows and, you know, you guys are always demonstrating some cool technology, uh, but when the reality of, of this uh, shelter in place and students are staying home and teachers are staying home and the reality kind of hit that, you know, how are we going to actually deliver education now that everybody's, you know, outside of the classroom? What did, what was your sort of uh, aha moment at that at that stage of the game? I think for me, uh, when it first happened, uh, I'm sure a lot of teachers who are listening to this, you're thinking about the moment that you left your classroom um, be- right before spring break. None of us really knew that this was going to happen in this in this way. So um, it was really shocking. And what we found from the community, a lot of people were reaching out and asking, where are there places that we can talk about tech tools or ed tech things uh, that we could do with our kids now that we can't be with them physically? And one thing that has been an aha moment for me is that it's, it's an aha moment, but it's also something that's rang true all the time, is that technology is just a tool until the teacher or the user is able to use it in an innovative way. And so our virtual office hours have been kind of a place of conversation just for that, for that exactly, which is how do we take this technology and this tool and augment the learning for the kids, even when we can't physically be with them? Now, you both uh, are very involved with the virtual, uh, virtual office hours that, that was set up. And you folks stood that up pretty quickly. I mean, can can you tell me a little bit about what what it took to actually organize and and pull together the you know the the folks to not only participate but have everybody pretty comfortable with the platform that was going to be used and and the topics that would be then then shared with everybody. I mean, Shane, did you were you involved with that uh, that piece of it? Yeah. So um, you're absolutely right. It came together really fast. It was a uh... A real quick talk in our executive board. We brought it up to the regular board, and next thing you know, we're doing it the next Tuesday. So, uh, or sorry, the next Monday. And so we've been doing it for four weeks now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think most of us are familiar with the technology and how to use it, so that wasn't a problem. We've been using our Google Docs to share. Um, we quickly threw together an agenda and some websites. What was really fantastic for the first few weeks was that we had initial Alice Keeler come on as a guest. And how many people came to us and said, can we be a guest on the day? We want to donate our time. So Dr. Peter Leong from UH, we had Truck um, Truck Nguyen from CRDG, we had uh, Dr. Mark Hines come. Um, it was just great for them to come in and just want to help 
improve the activity you know, and improve the event. No, that's great. And and were you were you using uh, Google Google Meet before? Uh, I know that for us, at least uh, where I work. You know, people were not really doing that much in terms of video conferencing. But once uh, once this this hit, I mean, I think for us at least, Zoom was pretty uh, uh, pretty popular, and and that's been kind of the uh, the standard on our side. But but Google Meet, I mean, that's a that's a pretty cool platform. And you know, in fact, you know, just our our news guest uh, uh, Daniel, I mean, he uh, he was very um, very proficient at uh, at Google Meet. I mean, so how did you guys? Was it was it something that you were already using, or did you have to kind of? Was there some learning curve? Well, we were already using the Google Meet for our member, um, like our executive and regular board meetings yeah. that we were having. Okay. Uh, but when we were thinking about a medium and we chose that, it actually right, Shane. I don't know if you agree with me, but I thought for the most part it's pretty simple in terms of how kind of instructing people to get on and how to get on. It was, it was simple enough, and people were they were following it and joining us on the calls. Yep, absolutely. So, so CC, I know, I know. Shane said that uh, you know people were kind of calling you folks up to be part of the, uh, let's say, subject matter experts. Now, did you did you have a sense as to how you would kind of plan out the, um, let's say, the the upcoming weeks and who would be, how would you share the load? Because I noticed that on the on the schedule, like it's a. Uh, it's a variety of people. In fact, in fact, it's every day, right? So there's a, a the variety of people that need to, you know, be cycled in and out. How did how did you organize that? I guess that's a CC question. Yeah. So, and for the first two weeks that we did it, it actually uh, was every single day, Monday through Friday at mm-hmm. four o'clock, and we um, we rotated facilitators and all of the board members that were facilitating. They were all volunteering their time to do that. Um, and then recently we have changed it to a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday model so that it's a little bit more because um, now I don't know if you know, you can probably tell that there's a lot more virtual meetings now and teachers and people in general have so many meetings to go to. So we're doing Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Um, but in terms of the topics and the way that we had organized it, it actually was very organic, which was nice because mm-hmm. the first yeah. week Shane and I and the rest of the board, we went into it thinking we don't really know what this is going to look like. And as soon as we started and just facilitated it around the questions that the people had, it turned out that although we may have some subject matter expertise, the people that were in the room, the conversations that we were having in the room, that was the real magic of it. And I think people were helping each other out and creating connections and networking. Uh, that was really nice to see. You know, I do want to talk a little bit about the uh, topics that you, you know, decided to cover over the course of I guess the last four weeks, and, and like you said, it was almost every day, so there's probably a lot of topics that were, that were touched on. We're going to hold that thought. We'll be right back after this uh, short break to continue our conversation with Cecilia Chung and Shane Esselstein. We're talking about uh, su- supporting teachers with virtual office hours. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, whose contributors help Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to the St. Andrews Schools, which includes the Priory School for Girls, the Prep for Boys, and Queen Emma Preschool. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum, and if you're just joining us, we're talking to Cecilia Chung and Shane Esselstein. Both are teachers and both are part of the Hawaii Society for Technology in Education. And right before the break, you know, we're talking about getting on the virtual office hours using Google Meet and, and of course, uh, having 
this uh, be done almost uh, almost every day, I guess uh, up until recently. And as a result, there's probably a bunch of topics that were covered. And maybe, Cece, tell me, I mean, what kind of topics seem to be most, I guess, uh, top of mind for teachers? Yeah, the topics were, it was quite a range, actually, because we had opened it up to the participants and what they were wanting to talk about. Uh, some of the topics we covered were what are some like maker space type of challenges that teachers might already be doing at home? What are some ways that we can bring that kind of learning out? What are some Google apps or any type of apps really that can help students show their work and give the teachers can give feedback back to them? Uh, there was there were so many different things, but at the heart of it, it seemed like teachers were trying to figure out how best to connect back to their classes and connect back to their students so that there would be. Um, you know, something similar to what we had before we went into this type of situation. Yeah, so, in, in you know, one of the things that uh, I think has become very clear is that it's one thing to have everybody in the, in the classroom and, you know, there's, uh, there's obviously the, the face-to-face uh, connection that is always made, but when people are now sort of sheltered in place, how do you how do you get to the students? And if I, you know, obviously, if the student is connected via the internet, then then that's obviously one one way to do that. Shane, you know, in terms of the 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 students that are connected, I mean, what would be some of the ways that teachers would then re- relate back to the student uh, uh, who is connected on on whatever you know internet and 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 obviously they need to have a computer as well. Right. Right. So for those those teachers and, and students that are connecting digitally, we see a lot of people using Google Meets, um, WebEx, and uh, as as the platform by which they're meeting. Uh, and then of course they use things like Google Classroom, Class Dojo, Seesaw as platforms to send out and give feedback on on work and and um, artifacts that students are creating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now did. Uh, y- did did teachers have a a standard, let's say, platform for connecting with students, or was it pretty much whatever they felt most comfortable with? It's it's mostly what they felt most comfortable with. Some of them were already using platforms at their schools, and others were kind of, um, uh, you know, they would just ask friends, trusted people, their tech coordinators, things like that. And that's kind of one of those reasons why we decided to. Um, um, at least so we agreed to work with the Department of Education, and they've asked us to do some WebEx and some Google Hangout uh, training sessions. Mm-hmm. And so we're holding, hosting those on Thursday. Now, Cece, you know, in terms of the uh, students on the other, on, on the other side of that uh, connection, what was uh, did you get an impression as to how they received this sort of uh, new form of of delivery? Yeah, I think for a lot of the students, it was very new to them because even if they had been using the devices for other means, like this was one of the first times that the communication would be through the technology. Um, but there are some things that are similar. So some teachers uh, like myself who have been using Google Classroom and Seesaw and different things like that already, it was a lot easier to transition to this moment. The one thing that's been tough uh, is this, for the students who are communicating with us, they might not be checking their devices every single day or every single moment. Like we kind of have access to them in the classroom. That's been kind of tough to make sure that they're sort of with us in the class. Um, but other than that, they kids, I think nowadays especially, they adjust really quickly and they adapt really quickly. Shane has two kids, and I'm sure he could speak to that. Like they've just kind of figured things out, uh, which they usually do when there's a new tool or a new way of doing things. 
So that's been interesting to see. Now, you know, I, I don't want to date myself, but, uh, you know, if, if this happened to me when I was uh, in, in uh, let's say, intermediate school, I'd be, you know, I'd be running all over the neighborhood. Uh, of course, in my day, there, there wasn't any really <laughs> an internet to speak of. But, you know, how do you, how do you get kids to think, you know, I still got to learn, I still got to uh, go through some of my courses, but I'm, I'm at home and, and uh, you know, the teacher's not watching me. I can, I can run and do whatever I want to do. How do you get them? How do you corral them back into kind of the, the study um, uh, mode of thinking? I think um, for me, it's it's uh, one of those things is the, the partnership between the school, the parents, and the students really becomes something that's important right now. Where we need to understand that, you know, for them to still do some learning, they are going to have to, you know, to stay focused and and create a schedule. Like some people, right, my kids have a schedule for mm-hmm. each of them. Um, there's some administrators that are doing some great jobs at reaching out to their communities about tips on how to help uh, parents deal with this this uh, different reality that we have now. Um, and I do think that for some kids, a schedule works, and, and CC will probably say, too, for some kids, it doesn't work very well. Um, mm-hmm. But you just got to know your child. Right? You know your child and you know your students. So, so I, I think what I just heard you say is that, you know, you really got to uh, look to the parents to actually start to be a part of this whole learning experience, right? I mean, if they're going to provide Absolutely. some degree of structure uh, you're gonna, as a teacher, you're gonna be looking at them to perhaps, uh, you know, give the the student some, some let's say, um, well-defined boundaries to to work with. Mm-hmm. So, so let me ask you this: uh, um, I know both of you are very, very uh, technically um, uh, adept at uh, using all these tools. Uh, did you encounter any any situation where? You know, obviously, the teachers that are part of your your virtual office hours are going to want to learn about the tools. But uh, are there situations where students aren't connected, and and what would you have advised them to do? Yeah, absolutely. There actually that question actually came up several times in the virtual office hours, and I think that's the reality is that there it's not a hundred percent students have access, and it's it, it also to your point about families and parents, like every child situation is so different um, in terms of that too. The one thing that we've talked about is behind the device, it's still about the connection. So what are the many different ways that you could still connect to them? Uh, one thing that we've encouraged teachers is if you can get a phone call in, and even when you talk to the parent, what's really important is you might want to ask, can I talk to your child now for a little bit on the phone? And I think that connection can really help. Um, Shane, I don't know if you want to speak any more to that, but that's, that's something Absolutely. that's come up. I think that, um, you know, the parents are, are really appreciative, and, you know, CC is being modest, and she's one of those teachers that re- reached out to every single one of her parents, and uh, when she shared her story at the office hours about um, how appreciative those parents were and how excited the kids were to hear her voice, um, that's, at this time, uh, during these times, that can be uh, priceless. That's great. Now, in the last uh, a few seconds we have, I mean, do you see best practices being used beyond, you know, this uh, crisis? I believe so. I believe that there's there's a lot of tools that are being used right now that um, will continue to have value as we go forward and um, being used in multiple different ways now. Because one of the things that we always talk about is you don't know what you don't know. So now that you're using something, you may find multiple ways that you could use it 
on a regular basis. Well, so I'll put up the uh, link to the HSTE website for later on. And, of course, Cecilia Chung is Kaimiola, Kaimiloa edu- um, <laughs> Elementary School's uh, uh, Teacher of the Year to, uh, 2020. And, of course, Shane Asselstein is the uh, Pro City Waipahu Complex Area Teacher. And, of course, they're both on the board at the Hawaii Society for Technology and Education. I want to thank you both for joining us today. Thank you so much, Bert. Thank you so much for having us. And of course, thank you for listening to Bite Mars Cafe. Join us next week when we will be talking about crowdsourcing 3D printing for PPEs. If you miss any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarkscafe.org. If you have any comments or suggestions, Feel free to email me at bitemarks at gmail.com or you can find me on Twitter. I'm at bitemarks. You stay awesome, you stay safe, and we will see you next week on another edition of Bite Marks Cafe. <laughs>